Hi, welcome back to Engage and thanks for joining us. You know, in communications, I've always believed that there are certain fundamental truths or foundational laws about communication. And one of those laws is a picture's worth a thousand words. Think about it. This one has stood the test of time. Cave drawings, bedtime storybooks, comic books. We've all experienced the power of a picture. There's something about an image or a photo or even a video that transcends language and enables us to connect with content in a meaningful and powerful way. And we see this in the corporate world as well. Long before the pandemic, we've seen a shift to and a reliance on visual. Entire news outlets have been stood up that deliver news via video only. We are squarely in the era of the infographic. And many of the deliverables that we help clients with focus on presentations that talk about white space and font size. And the reality that the icon we choose is almost as important as the content next to it. All this to say that good communicators today don't make a move without a graphic designer or a video producer by their side. And ideally, that person's one and the same. So where do you find these experts, these visual artists? Well, if you're in a big company, a large corporation, often there are in-house departments that can provide everything from print and digital support to audio and visual production. But even in those big companies, and definitely in smaller companies, sometimes you go outside for that expertise. You'll contact a company, a boutique firm, say KDH Consulting, for example. And we, in turn, will pull in a stable of experts to help deliver those high visual, high impact communications. But there's an art to working with these artists, which brings me to my guest and our topic today. Let's welcome Kelly Russin, owner and founder of Circle Square Studios, a video production and graphic design house in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Kelly, thank you for joining us. Hello, hello, my other favorite Kelly. <laughs> the other Kelly, that's right. And actually our viewers and listeners may already know your brilliance, and I, yes, I use that word on purpose. You produce these podcasts, um, but let's give them a little glimpse of more that you do. So tell us a little bit about Circle Square Studios, the clients you serve, the work you do, and don't be afraid to pull back before you founded the company and tell us a little bit about your history. Sure. Well, thank you for having me. Um, my, I am the creative director and co-founder of Circle Square Studios, and we're a boutique production company right here in Fishtown, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And uh, alongside my, my partner and our team of editors and designers, we run um, a small creative shop doing everything from graphic design to brand identity to lots and lots of video production, which is really our bread and butter. So we really love creating content for founder-led brands or growing businesses um, and teaming up with the best marketing and consultant agencies in town. Hint, hint. Speechaw. Um, <laughs> bring our powers together and create content for brands that really need it now more than ever. Yeah. Brilliant. And before that, tell us a little bit about some of the things you did before you took the big leap to form your own company. Sure, I did um, about a decade in New York City where I was um, 
started as a little baby video editor, working my way up to a creative director at a social news company you might know called Now This and Group 9 Media. Anytime you see a video in your Insta feed about a robot bartender or a feel-good uh, barbershop giving haircuts to the homeless, it's probably a Now This video. I, I probably don't make it many years ago. Um, so I was creating branded content for lots of big companies like Coca-Cola and BlackRock and JP Morgan, and then shifted my focus to working primarily on smaller um, mission-driven or founder-led brands, which is kind of how I started Circle Square with my partner. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, and it, it has really been such a pleasure to work with you and to tap into that expertise, which leads back to our topic today. You know, I think a lot of people listening um, or watching us have this conversation, have leveraged um, contractors, small groups like yours and mine. Um, and, and I think there's some practical tips that we want to explore today for those folks so that they understand what good can look like and how best to work with companies like ours, right? And, and you and I have both been in the role of a contractor or leading other contractors. So there's definitely um, some things that we might share so that people get A, the best bang for their buck and B, um, the type of communications and assets that really hit the mark. So where to begin? You probably have a, a short list of do's or don'ts. So any interest in going one way or the other for our listeners? I think it's always it's always more fun to start with the juicy stuff, right? So maybe we'll start with some of the mistakes I've made <laughs> or I've seen. And I sure. know, Kel, one of the ways that we love working together most of all is working with these really small dynamic teams and sort of disrupting the big agency model, which for so many years has been this big cumbersome beast. We've worked with tons of agencies in all the best ways and some of the eye-rolling ways. <laughs> when I'm now onboarding contractors or freelancers or growing my team, I like to look at all the ways, uh, the mistakes I've seen and experienced and, and try to flip them on their head. Yeah, oh, uh, I couldn't agree more. And I, I, I think there is a place for all of these um, deliverers of content, right? The in-house uh, function has a role to play, the big agencies have a role to play. And then we're in that third circle, but, but there's real value to tapping into companies like yours um, and there's a way to do it. So I, I loved what you said about starting with the juicy stuff. Let's talk about what not to do, right? So you've, someone maybe listening realizes, oh my goodness, we have to have Circle Square Studios. You know, we've got uh, Deliverable X. You know, what are some things to avoid when you're working with a contractor? My big no-no number one is don't call action before you're ready to roll. And this happens to me a lot with clients where I'll get a Friday email saying, I need a budget on this today. Can you please put together a proposal? Um, it's urgent. The, the client's going to hit send right now. Can we please do this? And we have a lot of agencies asking for this last minute work. Of course, I get my best producer on this. We get a designer to throw something together and then it's complete radio silence. Um, sometimes for weeks, sometimes for months. And I can tell that the agency just isn't ready to, to go forward on this project yet. Maybe it's a client thing, maybe it's a timeline thing, um, but then the brief will pop back up maybe two months later with completely different 
budget, timeline, variables, etc. And it can break trust with your contractors, with your freelancers, and it can wear on that agency contractor relationship when we're asking for huge things so, so, so fast. And the project is just not ready um, to go there yet. Oh, yes. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I've been on the receiving end of that same experience, and hopefully I haven't <laughs> created it for others. I'm trying to think through. I've certainly made a lot of mistakes in the past, but um, I think you're right. The message to um, folks who need our services is call us when you're ready and not before, right? Because we, I think as small but mighty firms, we already live in a very high flex, adaptable kind of style, right? We, we um, have to flex. But if you ask us to flex too early and then it doesn't come through, it just cascades a whole set of challenges down the line as you so nicely articulated. Um, agree, what else is a not to do? <laughs> yeah, so my, my no-no number two is don't let too many cooks into the kitchen. I find this happens really often early on the briefing process. Um, I was recently on a 24-person RFP call, and when there's so many cooks in the kitchen, we're really not not sure who's in charge. Right. Um, creative voices are being lost. People's time is really being spent and billed. Um, yeah. So when I think about working with agencies or when I think about hiring my own creatives, I want to make sure that there's a tight team, that everyone knows their roles and responsibilities, and that especially in this world of so many little Zoom screens, that we're really being respectful of, of people's time um, and, and their expertise. Yes. Um, can I share uh, my own um, scar tissue story on roles and responsibilities? Um, early on in my consulting career, I was asked to be the writer <laughs> for a project. Um, client was standing up an internal website about a new program they were launching, and they needed someone to write the content, and they needed someone to design the navigation for that inter internet site. So I got all the background material and I, I'm great. Okay, I'm writing all this content. And I figured uh, I would just throw it over the fence to the folks that were designing the website. Um, and that was wrong because I didn't clearly understand my role and responsibility relative to theirs. And the fact that, you know, this kind of links to your too many, not too many cooks in the kitchen necessarily, but not really sure how we were going to work together. And so what ended up happening was uh, that writing had to be a lot of rewriting because I didn't realize that, you know, a certain navigation and the way that the story was gonna be told actually impacted the writing that I was doing. So um, I completely agree with you. Know who is responsible for what, um, and that'll make for a much smoother um, output once things get going. Um, yeah, but I'm still here. <laughs> Own those mistakes, learn from them. I ask so many more questions up front when I'm being asked to help with a project or in turn, when I'm trying to bring someone else on to help. Although you're an exception, I feel like there's brain cables, like you just understand what I need, which makes it beautiful. And I don't know if that's because we work together, you know, on a number of things, but that's, you don't, don't make that assumption is another key thing. Totally, I definitely yeah. Um, and then my no-no number three is don't expect fast, cheap, and good. 
I like to say on any project, if you're really, really, really lucky, you can get two out of three. You can get something fast and cheap or fast and good or cheap and good, but the full trifecta is really, really, really hard to achieve. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you exam, an example. Um, when I'm doing uh, the hiring, so we work, we do tons of video production, so we hire many, many cinematographers, people to hold the cameras. And so my two favorite DPs, one is a running gun guy who will run around with a camera on his shoulder, who will dive under a table, who does anything you want him to do for 500 bucks a day and is, you know, somebody you always want to have a beer with. Yeah. Other favorite DP is, has the ego the size of Spielberg's. She wants <laughs> crew on every job. She's incredibly expensive and she's so, so, so talented. Every time she turns on a camera, she's making art. And I hire both of these DPs with really high frequency. They're they're both on my speed dial, but I hire them for very, very, very different projects. Mm -hmm. When I'm looking in every project, I make sure to prioritize with my producers from the beginning. Is it fast? Is it cheap? Is it good? What are the challenges going into this? And then we can hire accordingly. So when I'm working with agencies at the beginning of the project, if you can kind of look at the challenges and opportunities of a project and start to prioritize, do you want it fast? Do you want it cheap? Do you want it good? Um, and that can help us with our timelines, with our budgets, with the crew that we're putting on. And not every project has to be massive and expensive and a, yes. a giant undertaking. Um, and I think you're really good at laying the cards out early on and saying, okay. hey, this is a quick turn that's going to be internal only, or we're going to get the eyes of the big boss. Let's put a little bit more juice and time into this. And when we do that balance from the beginning, everybody's a little saner and the project is is better in the long run. What do you think? Yes. Uh, no, I completely agree. And you're being very kind to say that I'm good at this. I, I was just having a different thought process that um, maybe it's not brain cables. You ask the right questions to understand, is this a quick turnaround, quick and dirty, back at the envelope kind of thing? Is it like, no, no, this is going to the CEO. And we had something that actually did go to the CEO at the end of last year with lots of bells and whistles and, and positive feedback. So um, I think that's actually very smart to know what you're shooting for. Um, and no pun intended on the video part there, um, but but also to clarify it upfront. So, so for clients listening, or sorry, viewers listening, um, don't expect to get all you know cheap, fast, and good. Know where to place your your efforts or what the output really is for, and then we can deliver that much better. Yeah, very cool, very cool. Okay, now what are some positives? What are some examples of when things have gone well, and when um, you know you've either leveraged contractors well or furnished clients exactly what they need? What are the do's, if you will? Yeah, for every mistake I've made or seen, I've also had relationships with clients, with agencies, with brands that really turn more into partnerships, which is mm -hmm. what we love to do. Um, and I think the I think the number one do in this category is always respecting time and talent. And I think when we're working with people whose work we respect, whose creativity we admire, it becomes less about a freelance relationship and more about a long-term partnership. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true for both sides of the coin. Yes. So yeah. we're about three years, two and a half years, three years into the business. And now we're able to sort of look at the clients or the brands that we're working with and saying, do we kind of jive with them? Um, 
our ethos and missions the same? Do we believe in this product? And um, when we're hiring creatives, are, do, are we loving their work? Are we admiring their reels? And this becomes so much more about um, collaboration than, yes. um, than work. And, and that's what we love to do at the end of the day. So yeah, I, 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 I love that. Affecting time and talent uh, is just, it's something that seems easy, but it's the easiest to forget. And we're all on Zoom all day. Everybody's exhausted. We're under client deadlines, which can be so, so stressful. Right. Um, I have it written down on a post-it on my, on my desk because if we respect people's time and their talents, I think we can keep this going for forever. I agree. I agree. And I have learned over time um, that inevitably when I'm asking a contractor for work, they'll say, well, when do you need this? Right. And early on, I'd be like, I, I probably made mistakes and said I need it as soon as possible. You know, some of the things we we're talking about in the don'ts column. Um, now I try to say, you know, ideally we'd like it by this date. Is that feasible? Or if I have a little more latitude and I'm planning appropriately, which is another good step to take, um, I might say, when is good for you? How much time do you think? That's totally respecting. Listen, you're the expert here. I have this thing I need you to do. You tell me what good turnaround is. We don't always have the luxury of that. You know, sometimes there is a deadline we're shooting for, but um, the, the, the goal is to put it at the hands of the expert and say, how, how could you turn it around in what time frame? And then you're right. Then people are like, okay, I'm not like feeling the pressure and um, I can get it to you in a reasonable amount of time or exceed that which is always nice when it comes sooner, which is, again, a tip to your hat or a tip of my hat to you. Often when you say, I think we can get that to you on Thursday, suddenly it's in my box on Wednesday or Tuesday. Now I'm not trying to, you know, <laughs> uh, overpromise if people are calling to work with you, but I, you know, putting it in your good hands, it often exceeds the timeline needs or requests. So that's cool. Yeah, I think it goes back to our cheap, fast, good pyramid. Right. That's right. That's right. Um, what else? What else um, sparks good partnership between contractor, agency, client, subcontractors? One of my favorite ways to work with agencies or to work with um, clients is when there's that level of collaboration. So I know we're in the business of getting briefs a million times a week. And I can always tell when a brief wants direct execution or when they're coming to us because there's something that, that they're missing or that they're trying to figure out or that they want us to bring to the table. Um, and I think you're so good at this, Kel, is you'll have a client that has an idea of what they want, but you're looking to us to say, maybe an infographic with vectors or maybe we go photo based or maybe there's some custom illustration and when we're able to bounce some ideas off of each other before producing the product i feel like the the projects are always way more exciting yeah i agree and it prompts a question for me so um sometimes clients don't know what they need right so so how do you navigate that conversation with all of your expertise so that they get what they need and how can you make them comfortable with them not being the expert it's a, it's a tricky thing and i don't know if i'm articulating it right but they're the ones writing the check but they're not experts in video production or they're not experts in you know graphic design so um how do you sort of 
get too good with a client that doesn't have the same knowledge base that you have? Any tips there? That's a, that's a really good question. How do we get a client? Um, how do we convince a client to do what the more fun, the, the fun way and the more creative way versus kind of what they're thinking in their head? Yes. And it's not, it's not, I'm, I'm not suggesting let's get them to spend more money for the sake of earning more money or having more business. But, you know, you may know, you do know um, a thing or two about video or the, the, um, the impact of a certain type of graphic versus something else or an asset or sticking a big, big toe into social media or something. So how do you sort of move the client along their comfort level, their knowledge continuum so that they are having those communications of biggest impact? Mm -hmm. I think one of the pros and cons of integrated marketing today is that content is king. And that means there's a lot of content 24 seven. So this is also an opportunity to push your client in baby steps towards something that might be more interesting or a little bit outside of their comfort zone or even a little bit experimental. So gone are the days where you're doing one Super Bowl out a year and all your money and all your ducks are going towards that. We're now creating up to 20 pieces of content a week for a brand. So even for brands that have um, quite a specific mission and brand Bible and aesthetic. Uh, if we're able to pepper in some, some little ex pieces of experimental content, maybe some mixed media, maybe design that takes a little bit of a left turn, um, that can be a nice way to ease into some bigger projects that feel a little bit more uh, outside their comfort zone, but are ultimately could be really exciting. Um, I love that. So you, and I've seen you do this in action, but I'm asking for the the listeners and viewers too. Um, you very effectively, I don't want to call it dangle a carrot, but you have a very nice way of um, during conversations with clients, sort of throwing in the the what if, or we could, if you really want to get crazy, you know, and and sort of um, paint a vision of those those. Um, more progressive steps with respect to visual stuff, which I think is just great. Even even for some of the more um, regulated or conservative clients that I've asked for your help with, I think we're pushing the envelope, at least I hope so. <laughs> um, because you're right, uh, content is king and there's a lot of options out there to sort of brand or communicate a certain message. Um, so what do you see, uh, I'm now I'm gonna throw you a curveball. Um, what do you see the future of graphic design and video production looking like? Are, are any like forecasting of communications in let's say the corporate setting, that's the world that I, I play in. Do you foresee any big shift? Um, is, is long form going away uh, or, you know, <laughs> will it all be these sort of like visual sound bites and, and chunks of information in the future or any other thoughts about what the communication world will look like for corporate clients? I think it's a really exciting time to be in production and to be in marketing because we're consuming more content than ever before. I think brands are getting a little competitive with wanting to have uh, to showcase their personalities and their employees on their feeds. And it, it opens up a huge opportunity for us to come in and actually make stuff that people want to watch. 
Yeah. And I always, I always say, I just want to make branded content. I want to make commercials that people actually want to share. So yeah. if we can make something that we actually want to share on our own feeds. I think that's, that's a pretty good day. Yeah, I agree entirely. And I'm excited as well. Um, I think um, the need for experts like you has never been greater. I don't see that slowing down at all. And um, uh, it, it, over the last few years, for, for the clients in corporate America that I support, um, I've seen a shift. They, they see the way people consume information outside the workplace. And I think there's kind of a big blend. To your point, if they're posting, and some people are pretty adept at like managing channels and pushing their own personal content out there, I think organizations are saying to themselves, it's time for us to catch up. Appropriately, of course, but um, it doesn't have to be the old traditional kind of staid communications that we knew from the past. So, um, all right, so wrapping up, um, thank you. This is really, really valuable, practical information for people listening because again, maybe it's an in-house kind of solution. Maybe there are agencies of record, but I am confident that many companies out there, many organizations, many people listening, tap into folks like you and me. And I think we've given them some inside scoop about how to make that relationship, that collaboration impactful and just elevate communications. So final question, Kelly, if someone had to say, I need Circle Square Studios, how do they get in touch with you? Shoot me an email, kelly at circlesquarestudios.com. Check us out on Insta at Circle Square Studios or uh, text KDH. And you are <laughs> yes, you are I will be happy to be an intermediary to those of you listening. As always, we're really excited that you tuned in. Um, we invite you to ask questions of Kelly um, on our YouTube channel. We're also on Spotify, soon to be on iTunes. Um, but uh, until our next time, thanks again for engaging with us and we'll see you soon.